This week's episode of Mind Theater is a video essay. For the full experience of the show, click the first link in the show notes. Thanks. A lot of paintings can hold your attention for a moment. More than just holding it, some of the best, most provocative works seem capable of projecting the artist's or even the subject's inner voice and thoughts. Walk through any museum and you'll become in tune to this effect. The feeling of pieces whispering to you, almost beckoning to you. Works of art that through time attempt to commune and speak to us. Sometimes you come across a piece that speaks louder than all the rest. One that through its formidable design begs to be given our full, undivided attention. Like this one, The Reluctant Bride by August Tulmouche. Also known as The Hesitant Fiancé, this imposing portrait contains within it entire centuries of discourse on patriarchy, arranged political marriages, 19th century high society fashion, and female discontent. All of these forces coalesce around the central subject whose staggering gaze reads as more than simple reluctance or hesitance, but loathing and rage towards her impending or recent matrimony. Achieving little in the way of success or renowned praise in Tolmish's time, its effect on modern audiences deeply commiserating with her expression of female rage and resentment is a force of artistic gravity that can't be understated. Born in Nantes, France in 1829, Tomush would leave for Paris at age 17, rising to artistic prominence under the mentorship of Charles Glaire, a renowned Swiss painter of the period who encouraged his style of academy realism. Tomush would debut paintings in the Paris Salon by the time he was just 19 years old. While the Impressionist movement swept through the core of artistic Europe over the rest of the century, with its emphasis on small, visible brushstrokes, faint Impressionistic marks alluding to form, and profound depictions of natural light, Tomush stuck to his classical training and academic style, one that appealed to his high-society clientele with their indulgent appetites. He's best known for his paintings of luxurious yet idle women, depicted lounging in ornate, beautiful rooms consumed by narcissistic vanity. His women are often portrayed either overwhelmed by romantic passion or peddling in domestic affairs. He stages his women with dramatic, almost theatrical posing, like actors performing for an audience, with over-the-top, ostentatious gesturing. His delicious dolls, as French critic of the time Emile Zola put aptly. These paintings in their excessiveness would even capture the attention of royalty, with Emperor Napoleon III and Empress Eugenie buying several of his works throughout his career. Contrasting these paintings to The Reluctant Bride, we see Tomush maintain the same atmosphere of grandeur, female subjects, and costuming, but he trades in depictions of lounging for a very real and visceral portrayal of upper-class womanhood in 19th century France, replacing idle dolls with a central figure who's anything but. Unlike his Impressionist contemporaries, the focus on this academic realism style makes the piece immediately readable. The composition features four ladies. The bride at the center is flanked by two friends, other high-society women, one kissing her head and another kneeling at her side, both holding and consoling her, providing tender comfort in the midst of this strenuous event. Off to the side in the background, a younger girl looks off in the mirror, placing a bridal crown atop her head, transfixed by her reflection. The three main figures seem locked in rhythm, while the fourth is off in her own world. More on her later. 
Of course, what astonishes about this piece is the bride. She's the only figure in the canvas whose face we see in its entirety, and she's depicted with a gaze so penetrating, it grabs the attention of the viewer more forcefully than the bright white of her lustrous wedding dress. Moreover, it's a gaze that's rarely found in Tomush paintings. In his other paintings featuring beautiful theatrical staging, the far-off looks and listlessness of his subjects almost imply women's docility, their fragileness. They contain women lost in their extravagant nothing worlds. In the reluctant bride, there is no far-off world to retreat to. In a single, harrowing expression, we understand the gravity of the choice she's made, or rather the choice that's been thrust upon her, as the title suggests. The direct gaze has always been a personal favorite motif in art for me. I covered this in my essay on Karl Bloch's In a Roman Osteria. There's something about being disarmed by a painting. Undressed and forced to contend with the piece's narrative and subject matter in such an immediate, inescapable way. There's that old sneaky suspicion that the eyes of figures in some paintings seem to be able to follow you as you move around a room. In The Reluctant Bride, there's nothing sneaky about it. If looks could kill, then this gaze is downright petrifying. As an aside, I can't help but notice the contrast between the use of the direct gaze in art like this and the use of the Rukin figure, the figure seen from behind, a favorite technique of another 19th century painter, Caspar David Friedrich. And Rukin figure pieces were invited to step into the subject's shoes. While turned around, their lack of a depicted face anonymizes them. We imagine ourselves as them. Once inside the painting, we're free to take in their world and all of its immensity and beauty. With a direct gaze, the opposite effect is achieved. Rather than step into the character to view the world, we step into the subject's world and are left intensely knowing and commiserating with the character. In more universal examples like The Reluctant Bride, this effect works like a mirror. People, especially women who understand the precise pain regarding submitting to one's expected place under patriarchy, can't help but see aspects of themselves reflected onto the canvas. It's a feeling they're all too familiar with. This painting exhibits a growing trend concerning the state of arranged marriages in 19th century Europe and beyond. While still radical for its time, unequal marriages were becoming an increasingly popular subject in paintings, like this one titled, well, Unequal Marriage, by Vasily Pukarev, made four years before The Reluctant Bride. It's just as transparent as Tumush's piece. Featuring a young girl marrying an old man some 60 years her senior, surrounded by other men with seemingly no qualms about this inappropriate arrangement, least of all the husband. The message of marriage as a patriarchal institution that forces women's submission sounds off just as clearly here. With a bride so young, it speaks not just to her wedding as a single source of somberness, but to the ensuing years of grief, rage, and removal of agency that this marriage and given the man's age, other future marriages could contain. It's all written out so plainly we can read it on her face, just like we can on the reluctant brides, trading out an expression of mournfulness and despondency for one of intense, unbridled rage. In The Reluctant Bride, a young girl is featured as well, drifting off looking at her own reflection in the mirror. Funnily enough, if you removed the main subject and focused just on her, it actually plays out just like one of Tumush's earlier scenes. There's a wistful naivete present as she adjusts her bridal crown. We see just how the lofty promises of marriage can take root and fester within the minds of impressionable young girls. 
It almost feels like a snapshot from the bride's past, before the hesitance and reluctance had begun to take form. In the Christian Orthodox tradition, the bridal crown doubles as a symbol of martyrs, highlighting the sacrifices needed to be made so often by the bride to sustain a good, healthy Christian marriage. The young girl placing it on her own head means, in effect, through matrimony, she signs off on her own death. I really love this piece. It's no wonder why it's seen a resurgence on TikTok in the past few weeks, with young women finding both comedy and tragedy in our bride's plight. But it's not always all the way damning. Another aspect this painting emphasizes is the process of finding comfort in female relationships and even sapphic love. Under the thumb of patriarchal power, these women have carved out a space, a moment to console one another, to grieve. It unveils a marriage as perhaps a gruesome fate, but one that doesn't need to be encountered alone. As I mentioned before, this wasn't really a big hit for Tumush at the time. The Impressionist movement would grab hold of audiences much more fiercely, and Tumush would be somewhat lost to history, especially compared to his contemporaries like Monet or Renoir. But I'm glad he wasn't completely lost. Thanks to the internet, his paintings are capable of enjoying new contexts and moving new audiences. It's here we're made capable of realizing that the same struggles and forces of both subjugation and commiseration that have defined womanhood in our society for centuries reveal themselves to be eternal. The same expressions women use to contain their reluctance, their grief, and their rage today are etched into the central face of the reluctant bride, a snapshot of what it must have felt like to be a woman in 19th century France, a century and a half later, and it's the most famous it's ever been. Another century and a half more, and her gaze will still be just as powerful and penetrating, its audiences as astonished as we were. Mind Theater is a solo effort produced and written by me, A.O. Ekingbade. For updates on the show, as well as my other content, follow Mind Theater Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you want to show monetary support, the Patreon link is in the description. Thanks for watching. I'll catch you next time.